0: hello and welcome to the gifted life podcast where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation and transplantation you can always find us at TheGiftedLife.org I'm Lori Steele
1: I'm Joey Boudreau
0: I'm Sarah Blakemore And coming up on The Gifted Life today
1: We'll be talking to an amazing young woman from Canada Who decided to anonymously donate a kidney
2: And we're going to talk about how to empower yourself By
0: using the word no No <laughs> How was that? <laughs> Great <laughs> <laughs> That's coming your way right here The Gifted Life Here on the Gifted Life Podcast, we have a new friend, guys, Jamie Hitch. Hey, Jamie. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from?
3: So I'm in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Um, Probably people would know best Vancouver, but I live about six hours north from there.
0: Oh, how cool. Yeah. So um, outside of the the U.S., we just thought that was pretty interesting. And how did you hear about The Gifted Life, because you reached out, which we are, like, thrilled about. But how did this all happen?
3: Yeah, I'm just super into podcasts um, myself and, of course, organ donation. And there's not a lot of podcasts about that. Uh, So you guys were kind of one of the first Google searches, which is great. And I love kind of um, the way you style your podcast. And it's not too controversial because I hate conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But it was a great fit. So I thought, reach out, and here we are. Okay, we like you already. Yeah.
0: So we're going go
2: to go from there.
1: You didn't have to butter us up.
0: <laughs> but our interests are your interests. Yeah. Like, uh, we're, all, we're all in this together. Um, and you're a living kidney donor. Yeah. Which is just amazing. So did you just decide one day, like, I'll do it. Or or, or tell us your story. How did you even get there?
3: So I've always found uh, organ donation to be really interesting. I think it's crazy. You know, we have two kidneys, but we don't really need Mm -hmm. um, the second kidney. Whereas someone who is obviously battling kidney disease, they have two kidneys, but it's just not good enough for them. So I felt like, I just thought that was so interesting. The science part that we literally just live a normal life. So. The stars kind of aligned. One good thing about COVID was I had not as much to do Mm -hmm. work-wise. So I just kind of was like, this is never going to hopefully never happen again. Um, I usually really like to travel and all that, which wouldn't work with donating. Right. um, Just because there's so many tests and everything. So last June, um, I just emailed the the donor program in Vancouver. uh, They're the closest one for me. And I was just like how do you basically get started? Like, where's the information? And they were super great. And um, basically, I just read through a lot of reading material. And I was like, "Yep, that sounds pretty good to me. Like, you know, your um, odds of, say, getting disease or what have you, they don't go up very much. And at the end of the day, um, everything like the lifestyle changes, all of that, they weren't extreme or anything, so I figured, okay, I'm still super interested in doing it, and then I just started the process, basically uh, June 2020, and then I donated in April.
1: I love your accent.
3: I know. Where we, I'm like.
1: I feel like I feel like I'm listening to me on the other <laughs> side. We sound. a Cajun. <laughs> uh, as am I. <laughs> so 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 uh, my uh, kin folks from way back in the day came from Canada as well. But the opposite side, yeah, right. uh, circadians, <laughs> uh, A few episodes back, so episode sixty-two, we did a a special on, on Canada, a donation in Canada. And we we talked about the David Foster uh, Foundation, and we spoke to uh, a a lung surgeon, and we talked about a lot of the contrasts and comparisons of of the systems here uh, compared in in the United States uh, compared to the system in in Canada. And of course, we really spoke more on the the lung side, and, and how you know for them in general the the organ stayed within one province and and ne- never really moved over from one area to another, unless unless you know obviously that if there was a, a viable uh, candidate and and organ somewhere else, they they tried to match it up. But it was a little different. So I'm wondering with you, so especially with kidneys, so how does that? work with with you did you have to match up with a particular uh recipient or did you did you say okay this is my date and then it goes into a a pool for the for the sickest patient or how's that work there
3: okay so basically for mine um so I'm anonymous I don't know who got the kidney or anything Um, but one of my things that I did want to do is if I was to donate, I wanted to make the most impact and that's through, um, doing the donor chain. So basically, Mm -hmm. uh, the first option was I could have just donated to someone in BC. They would have just gone off their list, um, Mm -hmm. and basically said, like, this is the surgery date for both of you and the doctors work together. Or option B was they went through all of Canada. And then we started the chain that way. And um, because I came from six hours from Vancouver, I was like, I really need everything to just go smoothly. So I was the start of the chain. Um, I felt really selfish saying that, but I was like, I can't, you know, put all this into motion and then all it takes is the person in front of me, something goes sideways with them. And then my whole surgery date is up in the air, Mm -hmm. right? So I was the first of the chain. So I thankfully, had no scheduling issues, but um, my kidney was taken out in Vancouver, and they flew it to Quebec, and that's where the recipient is, and they kind of just kept going with that, um, with the chain. So, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have had to fly personally to Quebec um, and do the surgery and everything there. Thankfully, I didn't, because they obviously have their first language of French, so Mm -hmm. that could have just been confusing and a long time on a plane. Given everything. Uh but yeah, so my kidney was taken out in British Columbia and it did the long flight to Quebec.
1: That's amazing. So the chain that she's uh talking about. So we have one similar here. Uh and and that's really taken off just in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So so historically, uh if if you wanted to donate, in general you had to have most people obviously donate to someone they know. You mm-hmm. know, and, and and kudos to you how amazing it is of you to be so altruistic it's it's incredibly altruistic to to donate to someone they know uh much less anonymously like you i was just
0: in covid thinking like maybe i should organize my house (laughs) like i was on that level jamie and and then here you come in and i'm like man i need to really rethink
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i didn't i just didn't do enough (laughs) So, so the the chain piece, uh, you know, is is similar to our kidney pair donation, is what we call it here, and and what we do is if there's someone, you know, of course, uh, uh, that wants to donate to a loved one, but they're not a match, they get put on this chain, Mm -hmm. and they get tied in. Usually, six or eight different people involved in the chain, and one goes to one, then that person goes to another, then that person goes to another, and it, it all ties into where. Everyone's able to, to donate and everyone receives, receives right. a, a life. It
2: maxes out like right. how many people, like especially the ones waiting in need, like everyone can help just maybe not directly. Right. So it helps as many people as possible.
1: That's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. And for you to learn a little bit more, we actually did an episode on what Joey was going into, Living mm-hmm. Donor Chain, episode 127. So thegiftedlife.org. You can go in, and follow up on that.
2: Yes, yeah, so I have a question, and you don't have to answer, but just Joey literally took the words altruism just out of my mouth. So let me ask: How old are you? <laughs> because this, you just sound or how so. How young are you, Jamie? <laughs> or how young are you? Because it, so just hearing I'm you, twenty
3: six. I'll be twenty seven in February.
2: I mean, so I want to know. Hearing that. What did your family think when you shared with them that you wanted to give this gift? What was their reaction?
3: Um, they weren't really surprised at all. Um, they raised like a good girl. I've been involved <laughs> with the Kidney Foundation for quite a few years, like doing the kidney walks and the fundraising mm-hmm. stuff. So they weren't that surprised. And maybe that's just <laughs> how I am all the time. They definitely <laughs> thought like it was crazy. Like my mom was like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Like what if you need it one day? And I was like, honestly, then I'll go on the list myself or, you know, everyone is going to die. So we'll just see what happens in hopefully quite a few years. But um, no one was incredibly shocked or anything. My husband was like, this is a very you like thing to do. Just like pick us something you really are interested in. And like, don't just donate, you know, money or do a lot. Like, how Uh can we do The very most. Okay, you could teach
0: all of us and so many more. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And so I know that uh, being married, like I would say, is this going to cost? And what's the hospital state? Does the insurance cover? Um, What's the recovery? So can you walk us through some of those big issues that I'm sure you guys were faced with?
3: So thankfully... In Canada, we have free medical care. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually born in the States and uh, lived there a couple of years, went to college. Um, So the Canadian medical care, as I get older, is something that I am like, wow, we are so, so lucky to have because we just have great care. And it doesn't matter what you need. You can go in and there's no insurance or anything needed. Uh, So that's obviously a huge relief when it comes to something like this. Um, but basically, I had no out-of-pocket expenses. Um, obviously, the doctors, all of that, just time. Um, I did have to go to Vancouver twice, once in December, to do the donor assessment there at their hospital. Um, and the Kidney Foundation, they worked together with the donors and basically reimbursed me for my hotel and my mileage to get there. They gave me some sort of... Um, food reimbursement but honestly i didn't care i was just happy to get out of the house this is obviously during COVID. So I was right. like, wow this is the closest thing to a vacation <laughs> um and then they after the surgery they did the same thing the hotel and they even paid for my husband to come down um during the surgery and then they do i don't know exactly how many weeks but they do reimburse you for um work loss um, if you can't, you know, go back to work right away. Thankfully, I work from home and I didn't take any time off or anything. Um, we weren't in like a super high peak schedule with COVID and everything. But I, all I need is my phone to answer. So I was like, I really don't, mm-hmm. I can't justify taking time off. So, but we are very lucky to have like the foundation and everything where basically nothing is out of, right. out of pocket, which is nice.
2: Now, I know you mentioned that um, you gave anonymously to your recipient. Is there any way that that changes in the future with, in terms of meeting or reaching out?
3: Yeah, so I can. I think next April on the one-year anniversary, mm-hmm. I can write a letter to them and mail it to the donor program. And if they do the same or at any time do the same, then we can know um, who each other are and have that um you know talk or whatever mm-hmm. we want to do um so yeah it'll just be time basically and see you know if i do it and they do it right i'm like my yeah. left they'll speak completely French we'll be on like the google translate mm-hmm. trying to figure out.
0: <laughs> would you do it again like if you could yeah i
3: would i mean i can't
0: but <laughs> right right right
3: sign me up but no it was regrets. such a good
0: experience for you um yeah we- there was yeah we had an instance where someone was thinking about it heard a podcast and kind of went through with it so I was just thinking if if there's that perfect storm and there's somebody listening and they just need to hear your story uh what words of encouragement or what would you say uh, to someone in that
3: position honestly for me and everyone is different and change can be scary but it just like it felt like such a positive thing to do and honestly when I woke up from the surgery I I was like so did they take the kidney like there's no pain what is like I didn't know if they even had taken it or done the (laughs) surgery they did and it was just like honestly if I could do it again I would in a heartbeat like it really was a it was such a big thing for the person to receive but it really wasn't like this huge change or that much work or anything for me like a lot of things if you know, the most mild inconvenience could come up. And I'd be like, oh, it's just not meant to be. But I had to, you know, drive six hours to get there. I had to do all these appointments. And honestly, it it was completely worth it. So Mm -hmm. if you're like, of that little glimmer of, maybe I should do this, you should probably just like, just keep checking it up, right? Mm-hmm. You sound like you're
0: glowing. Like, you know, you're so ha- like I'm smiling listening to all of your words <laughs> with that, which is so amazing. Now, were you a, a registered organ donor going into it?
3: Yeah, I was. So um, with the kidney Foundation, with the walks and everything, that's one thing. That's just like the extra push. Um, so I was all signed up for that. I'm also signed up in the U.S. for it. So I'm really just something just <laughs> at this point but um, yes yeah, so I'm still signed up for that and you know hopefully when that time comes everything is usable I would love to just that's like the one last push right to mm-hmm. help one last time mm-hmm. now
2: you've mentioned that you went on the kidney walks and worked at the kidney foundation where did you like what was the first time you learned about that and what really was that moment where it like piqued your interest so much so that you got involved drew
0: you in yeah
3: um, so I remember I don't know like the exact date, but I do remember in high school, like learning about kidney disease and kidney transplants and all that. And I was just fascinated. Mm -hmm. And then I came back from uh, Florida in 2016. And I saw just like this little ad like, oh, help your community or whatever. And I was like, that sounds interesting. And I really wanted, I don't know what happened, but something just clicked where I just really wanted to help and do more than just like the day-to-day oh here's whatever when someone asks for money or whatever Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to like go on this like helping kind of tour almost where I was just helping all the time and I just thought and I was like this is so cool like the whole community they came together and there was people who had donated and they talked about it and again they're just so happy to to have donated and it was just like a really good positive energy and I just Kept going back year after year, helping organize it and fundraise. And we're a pretty small town. And as far as fundraising went, we were up there with the big cities like Vancouver and all those areas. And I was like, it doesn't really matter where you come from. Like, we have just as much impact. And I just thought that was really cool. And then uh, I want to say 2020, so when the pandemic and everything hit, the walk went virtual. And that was just like, obviously it had to happen, but it is, it's, you really do need those people out there promoting and fundraising. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same virtually, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I agree. And education is key. So I love to hear you say that. And then here, most of our folks uh, will sign up when they're getting their driver's license. So what's like the, the main place to sign up where you are and, and how do people do that?
3: Yeah. So I think, and that's like, something that's probably not the best is i don't think i've ever signed up while like at the driver driver's license um which is just seems like a missed opportunity right to not really see any of those signs there could be but obviously i don't probably have the best energy or hopefulness going into the driver's license (laughs) um (laughs) but it's just really through the kidneys uh the kidney walk there they have the pamphlets and just Um, really hitting home on why organ donation is so important. And then I'm pretty sure you can just go online as like, if even if you just typed in organ donation and Mm -hmm. then your province and you can sign up um, online that way. It was super seamless, but where you are really missing that like um, key aspect of it, because I mean, fundraising is important. Education is important, but at the end of the day, there's really only one, you know, Big treatment, right?
0: Mm -hmm. So I am so excited to see you at the next in person, like kidney walk run. Like, is it switching from virtual to in person, you think, coming up shortly? I'm
3: really hoping so. Can you see her out there? (laughs) It's not like 100% back to normal. Yeah. But we are still, you know, we're more back to normal than we have been. So usually it's in this spring. We've done it in September before as well. So you would think by especially September, should be able to go back out.
0: Oh, good. So if anybody's thinking about it or hesitant just about donation in general or living donation, um, what's, what's your message today?
3: Oh, gosh. If you're hesitant about it or unsure, I think just research it more and really understand it. I know that there's people maybe who are hesitant who I've talked to, and a lot of it, there's a lot of, like, myths almost surrounding it or not enough understanding. I think if you really understand it, you'll have be more likely to be interested in it. Of course, if you still are 100% understanding of it and you still don't want anything to do with it, by all means, that's your choice, right? But I think you can never go wrong with, like, learning more about mm-hmm.
1: something. So, Jamie, you touch upon a couple things. Uh, one, you know, the the fact that Canada's got such a wonderful plan. Uh, that free health care, and we all uh, we 're all very jealous over here that uh, have uh, high premiums and in insurance mm-hmm. uh, costs and and everything else, but uh, just to reiterate for those listeners out there, it is there is no cost uh, here as well in the United States uh, to donate a kidney that 's picked up the majority of kidney costs, and I know we 've talked about that in other other uh, episodes, but the majority of of costs associated with kidney disease are picked up by Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services or or CMS, Medicare and Medicaid funding, mm-hmm. and uh, which is most you know mostly public uh, funding. So the other thing that you you mentioned about you know or uh, you talked about you know, if if there was a chance you may need later on here in the United States, one of the recent changes uh that UNOS United Network of Organ uh sharing uh has has made one of the policy changes in the last couple of years has been that if you donate a kidney uh as a living donor you automatically if something would come up later on in life uh and you would need a a a kidney at that point you automatically get bumped to the top of the list. Mm-hmm. So uh so I'm I'm not sure Jamie if that's the way it is yet there but I would assume you know because again a lot of the things that we do here, I see, you know, following very closely after in, in Canada that, that that's going to be uh, how it's going to uh, take place over the next few years.
3: Yeah, I think um, the doctors and surgeons mentioned something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's like a, a very set in stone yet, mm-hmm. but I do know if you obviously had donated previously, they're going to help you out, right? You're, you'll get mm-hmm. help and reassurance and all that later on.
0: All right. Well, if you live near Jamie, that little ray of sunshine, uh, you're in Canada, you can go to transplant.bc.ca. It's an easy process, right, to sign up to be a donor there?
3: Yeah, super simple. Just go to that website and then your personal health number, put that in, and you're good to go.
0: You're there. And then here, you can register anytime as an organ, tissue, and eye donor at registerme.org. Jamie, I know you inspired people. You inspired me to do yep. just better things and to and to think big and make a positive impact. It was so great to
3: talk to you today. Perfect. Thanks, guys, for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Here on The Gifted Life, we take
1: a moment... For mental health. We'll be learning about something that my daughter already knows about. (laughs) What is it? The power of using no.
2: No. Yes. (laughs) She's right in that age where no (laughs) is very popular for her, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, We've talked about this before, but I kind of wanted to talk about like some methods. So when I say no, I'm saying when somebody asks you something, they want something of you, Some, you know, we feel very inclined to say yes try to help in some way yes. yes society tells us and teaches us when we're young that saying no is impolite so even with kids i'm sure your daughter tells yep. you no and you say you're being rude One year old. Or, yes <laughs> yes but saying no is just a clear way for us to set boundaries for ourselves mm-hmm. um so i kind of wanted to talk about how important it is and how powerful it can be for you knowing that we're being taught that it's impolite also know that it can be very empowering and very liberating to be able to use the word no and to think of yourself a little bit, especially with your boundaries. So know that it brings power to you and what are some ways we can do it? So if you're uncomfortable telling people no, there's this thing called the sandwich method where you say a positive, you say your no, and then you say something positive. So if somebody invites you to lunch, oh, I would really, you know, I would love to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm unable to come to lunch that day, but I can't wait to meet you later mm-hmm. or to set up another day. So try the sandwich method. It makes you feel a little bit mm-hmm. more comfortable giving,
0: you know, positivity out. I always feel like I have to give an excuse, like, no, because, you know, well, uh, this one has football and this one has cheer and then uh, I can fit it in there. But if it was another day that I could like it, I'm mm-hmm. always like anxious, like I'm saying no, but, 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 but. <laughs> That's a lot. Comes right.
2: With and I think, you know, just shift away from giving an excuse to giving something positive. Like if you're saying no because you have other things, you don't have to tell them that. But you could be like, After, hope like to I hope see you soon. I didn't really need
0: to go into mm-hmm. quite so much detail there. Right.
2: <laughs> but I felt bad saying no. Right. Yeah. But you could also say, like, I can't wait to see you soon mm-hmm. or to celebrate with you soon. Or, you know, you can end it on a positive note. That's not an excuse. It's a way to really set some healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking about, like, even social media. Saying no might be not accepting someone's friend request if you don't want to see their drama every day. I'll say it for you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Or you can unfollow people that don't bring positivity to you that make you Mm -hmm. feel like that reflect negatively on your self-worth. If you are constantly following somebody who's making you doubt yourself or make you feel worthless, unfollow. That's an easy way to say no to having somebody in your life and influencing you.
0: I like some of my friends, too, on social media because they find their voice. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you send me a friend request or if you send me a game uh, app or something like that, I will say no to all. <laughs> no special treatment. I'm going right. to say no. And I just want to let you know ahead of time so that you don't get your feelings. Set your boundaries. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yes. I was like, well, that's one way to do it. Okay.
2: Well, and, you know, I think just recognizing and reflecting on why you're saying no. What is this goal that you're setting? Is it you want to create more of a work-life balance? You have to say no to, you know, a meeting that's at 8 p.m. at night outside of office hours. Or if your goal is to um, increase your confidence, saying no to people on social media who aren't going to bring that to you. Always reflect on why you're saying no, and it's going to be a lot more comfortable to do it, and you'll be more empowered. You don't need to explain yourself. Yeah, you could
0: just <laughs> say no. Sometimes it's good to just be with yourself. I like that. You ready to close? Or is that a no? Oh. <laughs>
1: no. no, it isn't.
0: If you have a topic you'd like Sarah to cover, email us, info at thegiftedlife.org.
2: All right, it's time for our question and answer segment. Here's our question. Are the same organ donation laws in the U.S. followed everywhere else?
1: Joey? And as you said (laughs) earlier, the power of using no, the answer is no. No. (laughs) So uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can go back and listen to episode 62. We talk about uh, Mm -hmm. donation in Canada, donation and transplant in Canada. There, it's not a nationwide system. It's Mm -hmm. more along the province lines. Mm -hmm. and And then it's kind of a little more like we did Uh, quite some time back where if it didn't fit in one you know if you didn't have a perfect match in one province then they would cross and then ask you know so there's a lot of differences there and in uh, europe for example there are quite a bit of countries that use the opt out method for uh, for registration so so if you so everyone is assumed to be an organ donor Mm -hmm. unless you actually take yourself out of the registry Right. So I know that's big in Spain, but others have adopted that similar type thing. And then we've talked to others in in different countries who are pretty much just starting to uh, cultivate their donation and transplant. They're way behind us, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as, uh, you know, where we stand in allocation policies and things like that. So they're learning a lot from us in different parts of the world. So it's very different. I would suggest you do a Google search for your own at your own Uh, you know, to see what your own country's policies are. It shouldn't be very difficult to find, though.
0: And we hear that from a lot of our guests. Google is your friend. Yep. Research, ask questions, ask from those around you. All right, maybe you have a question for us. You can always give us a call. 504-648-3477.
1: In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Josh Hicks
0: and we learn about Josh from his family. Josh died at the age of 14. He was a loving boy with a ready smile, always ready to help anyone if they needed him. He loved to hunt and he loved to fish. It is comforting to know that even though we lost him too soon, he lives on in the lives of others. This thought has helped us get through some of the grief. And now we pause and say thank you to Josh for
2: the gift of life.
0: And that is episode 176 of The Gifted Life. Guys, thanks for listening. And remember, you can always register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime. Registerme.org.
1: Very special thanks to Jamie Hitch, not only for coming on and sharing her story, but for being such a wonderful person. She said she's 26, inspiration. 26 years old. Wow. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't imagine when I was that age. I know that's closer to Sarah's age, <laughs> so she can relate a little bit better. But being that age and being able to see beyond yourself just as she does. It's and really I just want to make
0: the greatest positive impact. Yeah. So amazing. All right. Thanks to Jamie. And also, uh, tell your friends about this podcast and others. The best place to find us is on our website, thegiftedlife.org. That's where they can find this episode and many others.
2: You can listen on any platform that you listen to your podcasts, whether it's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, If you do listen on Apple, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, review us, and subscribe so that others can find us.
0: On social, guys, our Facebook is the Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Our ask is that you share this podcast, you share the information that you learned, and you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Have a good one. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.